You know, on my computer at home, I have a, uh, a screensaver that comes up when I stop touching it. You probably have one, too. Uh, and I have a message that I wrote for myself that comes up, and it says something very clear and simple. Get to the point. Punct. <laughs> and I have that on there to remind myself that when I'm thinking or speaking to a group like all of you, that I need to ask the question, where are you going with this? Where are you going with it? And to challenge myself to think clearly what I'm trying to say so it will be clear to those that I'm speaking it to. But you know, it's a great question for us to ask in life as a whole. Where is it going? What's the point of it all? And, and, and very often we get so busy doing life that we never ask ourselves, why am I doing what I do? And, and, and it is a great question. Where's the final destination for all of us? Where is life going? Because, you know, it's possible to live an entire life and never really think about or ask that question. And most of us would never live that way with more practical things. A very a great example. You'd never book a two-week holiday and not find out where it's to. You don't tell your travel agent, I'll put it anywhere. Now, you want to know before you commit your time and resources, you want to know, where am I going to go? Where is this leading? How much more important when it comes to your life, to my life, to ask the question, if I keep living today, right now, the way I'm thinking, the way I'm spending my time, the way I'm doing things, how I'm living, if I keep doing that for the next 10 years, for the next 20 years, for the next 50 years, where will I be? Where is this taking me? And the question is an important one. And so many of us don't ask it because you might be saying, well, uh, I'm, I'm not uh, thinking big questions like that. I have three children. I'm a single mom. I've got a busy schedule. I'm asking the question, how am I going to get through next week? Come on, am I talking to anybody here? Yeah. It's challenging, and so we just never think about a bigger question about life. We're just busy. Then there's some of us that, that we don't ask the question because perhaps you're one of these kind of people, cynical or practical, saying, why should I spend time asking a question when I don't really think there is an answer? And who knows what's going to happen in 10 years? I don't know what's going to happen next week. And who really knows what happens at the end of the destination that we call life? No one's ever come back after leaving this life, to tell us for sure. And so, whatever the reason, the one thing we can agree, if, if we never really stop and take time to ask, where is life taking me? How, how I'm living now, where am, where am I going to be? The, the fact is, we won't really live now if we're not asking that at some level. We're not going to live today thinking about where we will end up. We're just going to live for the moment, or life will come at us as it is. 
But I'm here to tell you, on the first Sunday of Advent, the Christmas season, that the story of Christmas tells some very, very good news. It tells us that because of the coming of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, that we can know what the destination of life is, and that because of that, you and I can sync the life we're living now with the reality of what's coming and the life that you are pl God plans for you and I, the, the life that he has is greater and bigger than you and I could ever dream is possible. And that is good news. And you know, I love the story of, of a woman in Scripture who lived with the destination in mind, who really linked her life with, with Jesus in a way that, that answered the questions. Because here today, I want to talk to you about how to take some simple steps that will help you and I live now with the final destination in mind. And, it, and it's a tr tremendous exciting journey that fulfills God's purpose and destiny for your life to the greatest measure possible in Jesus' name. And this woman was a courageous woman. We don't even really know her name, but I tell you that she was uh, courageous because she walks into a room full of men in a culture where the women usually weren't allowed. In fact, if she wasn't coming in to serve the food, she wasn't supposed to be there. But she came anyway. And there in the room, Jesus was sitting with a whole group of his followers and other guests. And, and she didn't stand in the corner in the dark kind of out of the way. Instead, as you hear this story, she, she boldly walks in, comes up to him, takes out a jar of perfume and breaks it over his head and pours it over him all in one motion. And the immediate reaction of the guests at the table was they lost it. All the men at the table got angry. They yelled at her. They, they, they saw the brand of perfume. It was worth today what would be about 60,000 euro. A couple of you just woke up. What? I was at the department store yesterday. I didn't see any perfume that expensive. But the guys at the table got the brand. They saw it and they said, this is outrageous. What a waste. We could have sold it if you're going to use it for that and given it to the poor. And the reaction of Jesus is absolutely amazing. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. Here's what he says to the, to the guests around the table. Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work for me. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this good news, the gospel, is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her. He says to them, back off. She's anointing me for burial. Her act of worship is going to be remembered 
all across the world from every generation here on out. And the question I want us to think about as we look to apply and move into a, a, a mindset, a lifestyle that awakens the dawn with the full joy of living that God has for us. What I want to ask is, what did she know that none of the others around that table knew? What was going on in her spirit that, that, that prompted, that pushed her to, to risk such a thing going into a room where she knew the reaction that happened was probably going to happen. And yet she came boldly and did this incredible act of worship, an extravagant act of worship to Jesus. What was it about her? you got to remember, this was not an ordinary table full of men. The 12 apostles, Jesus' trainers, his pastors, were all sitting around the table. The very guys he was going to put in charge after he went back to heaven to build his church. In fact, they were yelling the loudest at what she had done. There's a lesson there. It's possible to be in the church, to know all about the traditions, you know, even about Jesus, and miss the whole point of why he came and who he is. And if you start to worship him crazy, with all of yourself like she does, some people are going to get upset. Come on. We see that here. But see, she knew what she knew in her heart. And here's the key for you and I. She knew more than anyone else there. We don't know how it happened. We don't know when it happened. But we know this. She knew who Jesus really was. He wasn't just a figure in a nativity. He wasn't just another great hero from a story or a prophet from a country or something that, that we talk about. She knew that he was the son of God, that he was who he had said that he was, and he had done for her what he said he could do. Now, what I love about her, because we can relate, can't we? She didn't have the full picture. <laughs> she didn't see it all. She couldn't see what was ahead. And, and she was probably just as, as these guys are shocked that Jesus told them off and supported her. They're still going, what? What did we do wrong? We, we, they, she's probably shocked too because he just said, you've anointed my body for burial. And she could not have been aware that in just a few days, Jesus was going to go and have the sin of humanity, all of us here, all of humanity's wicked sinfulness put on his body, and God poured out his judgment on the physical body of Jesus on the cross. And her heart of worship leads her into a place of revelation a revealing of something beyond that what she had even thought was possible. She was just there out of adoration to worship him. But in her worship, don't miss this, in her worship, everything about where Jesus' destiny was going was revealed in her act. 
Don't ever think that our worship here in church together, anytime we're singing and lifting our hands in praise, is just so you get a better week and I can feel good for a few minutes. It actually brings heaven to earth and creates a sense of direction and revelation in your life, in your family, in your career, if we will open our eyes and understand the power of worshiping the Son of God. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. (laughs) See, her decision to honor him also did something significant for her. It revealed her destiny. He just says to these men, wherever this gospel is preached in every generation into the future, we're going to talk about her she, in memorial to her. In fact, we've just fulfilled that prophecy right here, right now. But what he told her was, you have a future. Your life doesn't end in a few decades. You get a few years in, get married, go to school, and and then it's all over, and it was good while it lasted. Eat, drink, and be merry. No, he says, you're going to be talked about. You have a legacy. In this one simple act of adoring me, you have assured your future forever. What an amazing promise. But don't miss this. Don't be an observer of this story. He is saying the same thing to you and I here today. If you will choose to recognize me for who I am, that I'm the Son of God, I'm the Good Shepherd, I'm the one who came to give you life you cannot give yourself, I'm the one that's come to forgive you and heal you and break through every stronghold, everything holding you back from the best there is that I can give you in this life and in the one to come. It's all yours, and every time you worship me, every time you choose to honor me, even when no one else sees it, even a cup of cold water that's done for me, serving on a venue team, getting up early and coming in on Sunday, putting up lights, setting up sound that no one sees, I see it, and it will create for you a legacy that will never end and will be applauded in heaven forever in Jesus. Jesus' name. This was the most significant moment of worship that we read about in the entire story of Jesus. Nothing comes close. That at this moment of adoration brought forward the reality that Jesus, in just a few hours, was going to be arrested, beaten, and put on a cross. She could not have known that. But it was much simpler for her. Why did she do it? She knew who he was. But more importantly, she knew what he had done for her. Oh, (laughs) what her heart knew was this is the one. He has forgiven me. He has healed my broken heart. He has given me forgiveness and a peace in my soul that no one else and nothing can. And you say, well, where's that in the story? It's there in her extravagant act of worship. She took, and Jesus recognized it, she took the best of what she had, her thing of highest value. Scholars tell us, by the way, that that jar, that alabaster jar of perfume, 
was probably something carried on in the family that you didn't just break out and use. It was intended to be passed on. It was worth significant value. And she took the very thing that was most precious and poured it out on him. And she did that to declare to him that she loved him, that she knew in her heart of hearts that Jesus was who he had proclaimed that he was and that he was going to, she was going to entrust her life with his life now and forever after. And she is inviting you and I into the same lifestyle to take everything about who we are, our talents, our abilities, our alabaster jars in your life and in mine and break them out every time we get the chance and live in the same way with an extravagant heart of thanks to the one who can heal our broken heart. She told him through that act of worship, I'm all in. I'm going wherever you're going. And even though I'm not sure, she didn't even know that she was anointing his body for burial. She linked himself, herself with his destiny. You might say, well, Steve, that's, that's a great story, and I understand what you're telling us, but that was somebody back in the Bible. You know, things are different today. We have, it's harder to, to follow God now. You know, I mean, there's so many. I, can't I do that when I'm a little older and, you know, live for myself now? And, and, and does anybody really live like this now? And, you know, just a few years ago, to, to, to answer you, yes, this is possible. We never just observe these things. A few years ago, I had a friend, close friend, Karen and I, couple, and, and I'll never forget the day she was diagnosed. She was only a young woman, had just recently had a child, had everything to live for, and all of a sudden came and told us one day, you know what, the doctors found a cancerous tumor that can't be operated on, and I've only got months to live. Young, you talk about asking, what's the point of it all? Where is this leading? And I can have this happen? But I want to tell you, within a few hours of sharing that news, we had a prayer meeting. Because we were part of the same church. We were in a small group of us praying together. And I'll never forget, her name was Sue. That'll tell, that's the name I'll give you. She, I, I was, we were just standing in a circle, and one person after another was praying. And I heard her begin to pray. And this is someone who just hours earlier had been told their life was probably going to end soon. Unexpected. But she stood there and lifted her hands and said, Lord, I love you. I love you. And I will praise and worship you as long as I have breath. And she declared that shortly after telling the group that she had gotten that diagnosis. Do not tell me that you cannot live with the same extravagance, the same passion, the same thing that David had as my friend. He says in Psalm 57, in a challenging time, when, when all of the enemies were coming around him, Psalm 57, my heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. 
Oh, wake up, my heart. What a prayer. Wake up, my heart. Wake up. Oh, wake up, O oh lyre, O oh harp, O oh bass guitar, lead guitar. Oh, wake up, keyboards. Oh, wake up, worship singers. Oh, wake up, church. I will awaken the dawn with my song. You see, David, my friend, this woman in our story had all discovered that where things are going in life, where the ultimate destination is standing someday before God himself in his throne room, where we are given the greatest honor and highest privilege to worship him and declare him King of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever. And those Friends of mine, that friend of mine, this woman, David, all of them made a decision in their life, here and now, when that is not the full reality yet, that I'm going to live as right here on earth as it is in heaven right now. And I'm going to give the best of myself, the best of my talents and abilities, the best of my time, all of them, to God himself, to understand Jesus I know who you are you're the son of God you're my savior you're my Lord and I'm gonna choose to worship you and begin every day stepping confidently into the reality father that you love me that you know me that you've given me the privilege to serve you and and to honor you with my life you've given me a purpose that nothing else can and it's your plan for me to have a destiny of praise and worship and reigning with you in heavenly places both now and in the future with a destiny that never ends and so i'm going to live right now awakening the dawn I'm going to live so full of joy, making it big, making it loud. I'm going to sing my praises. I'm going to carry the light of who Christ is in me every morning into my family, into my coworkers, my classmates, into every atmosphere of this city where God lets my feet go. The light of who he is in me is going to shine. And I'm going to believe that in your life here today. So now is the time, whether you're here as a guest or you're a part of this church, now is the time, first Sunday of Advent, 2019, to declare, Father, I'm going to honor you with who I am. I'm going to put you first with my time, my talents, and my treasure. I'm going to honor you, Father, with my body. I'm asking you to renew my mind. I give you my body as an act of sacrifice, which is reasonable for what you have done for me. And I'm going to live with the final destination of where this is going in front of me every day for Jesus' sake. Amen. Pray with me. Holy Spirit. Speak, touch, bring healing, bring salvation, bring renewal. Lord, I pray that our church, every single person here, would have an awakening, a new level of understanding the great privilege it is to worship you and to live for you, to honor you, 
in every area of life. And I thank you for how that's going to happen in, a, in this place right now. I pray, Father, for, a, for an agreement in spirit with each person here. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you'd say, honestly, Steve, I'm not walking with God. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ. We never close a service without giving that opportunity. And if you're here and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, say yes to him today. And the best way to do that is to simply where you're seated, agree right now, that's what I want. I want to follow it. I don't understand. She didn't understand it all either. But I'm willing to take that step and trust Jesus with my life. And if that's you, I want to invite you just to boldly lift your hand and say, Steve, pray for me. I, I'm going to take that step here this afternoon, just quickly, before we stand and close. Beautiful. Why don't we stand to our feet? All of you, can we give the Lord a shout of praise? Yeah. Lord, we're awakening a late gray afternoon on the first Sunday of Advent. We're going to pray a prayer. Whether you lifted your hand or not, maybe you've never really prayed this prayer sincerely from your heart. Scripture says, if we believe in our heart who Jesus is, like the woman with the perfume, and we declare it with our mouth, it says we become saved. We're taken out of darkness in spirit and brought into light. So I want us to, each of you here, pray this from your heart, especially if you're one of those that you're not sure whether you really know the Lord. This is, this is your moment. So pray it boldly. Let's, let's do that together. We ready? So let's speak it aloud. Father in heaven, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. Thank you for your amazing love. Pen of my sins and thank you for your forgiveness. Come into my life and give me a fresh start. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live my life for you from this day forward. Amen and amen.